All right, Alex, you, here's a blooper. You ready for a blooper? <laughs> I'm ready for a blooper. If you don't chew Big Red, then f*** you. <laughs> Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular film franchises one movie at a time, but not this week. I'm Tyler. And I'm never getting no time to die. I just gotta, you know, just just sit back, look at the horizon, look at the nice sunset and all, all, all the things in life that you're supposed to enjoy and go, you know, maybe it's just not in the cards this time. I'm really tired. I mean, I'm Alex. And I make joke. I'm Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Look on the bright side, Alex. In, in a few years, you'll be able to uh, listen back to this podcast and be like, hey, that guy, that guy had to wait a long time for No Time to Die. I only have to wait two more years uh, <laughs> until 2026 when it's been delayed to. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> <laughs> Never honest for a moment up here. Um, we are talking what are we, about a bunch of Marjorie Tyrells. Come on, <laughs> we we are talking about the back half of Game of Thrones season six. A very exciting set of episodes. <clears throat> Those episodes are Blood of My Blood, The Broken Man, No One, Battle of the Bastards, and The Winds of Winter. Uh, I believe all are written. Oh no. That's completely incorrect. The first two, episode six and seven, were written by Brian Cogman. The rest by our very good friends D and D, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Uh, the first episode is directed by Jack Bender, following up on the fifth episode that we talked about last week, the heartbreaking Hodor episode. Um, then we've got Mark Mylod doing seven and eight, and Miguel Sapochnik bringing us home with nine and ten. Our IMDb scores for this week, which we're just doing them. I'm I'm just going to list them off, and we don't have to comment on them at all. It's fine. <laughs> um, our 8.4, 8.6, 8.4, 9.9, and 9.9. Just <laughs> cool. There's no cool, cool, cool. We're just rolling with whatever here. It's look, fine. look. Mommy's all right. Daddy's all right. <laughs> they just seem a little weird. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm very tired. Sure, buddy. <laughs> I guess some I guess some people out there don't like horses going upstairs. With a Not... with a with a stunt double that with a CG Coster Waldo face on it. I have four all caps notes for this batch of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um we yeah. will get to those notes. Um, oh, I was going to say a quick, quick uh, correction slash programming note. Uh, I've been list listing off all the directors as we've gone along here. I did learn while doing some research that D&D, uh, &D, they, they each are credited with um, an episode directed by them that we've already covered. One was in season four and one was in season two, maybe? Maybe three. Sorry, three. <clears throat> Um, and apparently they actually directed those episodes together. They just, like, flipped a coin as to who would get which one. So <laughs> that that was something neat I found while I was looking for stuff. Uh, research that will probably come up later. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> Anybody have a best and worst episode to start with here? I'll go first. All right. I don't have a worst episode. <laughs> Are you fair? <laughs> um 
this is among the best set of episodes that we've had. Um, I, I think it's super tight. A lot of the issues that I had with uh, kind of the earlier part of the season are just kind of dropped. Specifically, mm-hmm. Daenerys' plot just kind of kicks in gear because we're done with the Dothraki side plot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a, a worst episode. I think this is all really, really consistent. So it basically is just like consistently really, really good. And the last two episodes are just amazing. Um, so I, I guess in terms of best episodes, really just a toss up between uh, Battle of the Bastards mm. and Winds of Winter. Um, I'm, I think I have to go with Winds of Winter just because of the opening sequence with Cersei blowing up it, everyone. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's it's so perfectly edited and just the way the tension builds and. I, I don't know, inter, intercutting so many different locations and so many different people and, and just the score. Yeah, um, maybe maybe Rumi and Jawadi's finest moment. There there's one more uh, yes. that I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil when it happens, Britain, but uh there there's one more that gives it a run for its money, I would argue. But man, okay. it's it's uh that that track, I think that it's called Light of the Seven. It's like an eight minute track if mm-hmm. you look at it in the album, um or the soundtrack. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was my first note for the episode. Is I mean, the the score during that whole sequence is, and like the piano is just mm-hmm. beautiful. Like that is a fantastic bit of. That that might be the best sequence in Game of Thrones for me, <laughs> and in a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, just in terms of uh, like, there, there's just such a mastery of just like knowing exactly what to show and when to show it to the mm-hmm. audience. Like, I, it's so impressive. I remember watching that. The first Tyler, I think we watched it together. I was like, "Did we like step out of Game of Thrones?" And we're watching like an <laughs> art film now, like yeah. the way this is cut. <laughs> I don't know. It was. It, it feels somehow it feels especially unique um, to the show, but it doesn't feel like I don't know. It's it's not distracting in a bad way. Like it's really really cool. To quote Zack Snyder, mm-hmm. it's really really cool. Anyways, <laughs> Winds of Winter, there's other cool stuff that happens in that as well. Um, Davos finally getting his moment to confront Melisandre was top-notch stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Arya getting her revenge finally on Walder Frey. Excellent scene. Uh, the look on her face when she cuts his throat is terrifying, and just the fact that they leave the camera on her is also terrifying. Um of course, there's the realization that um, that uh, John is not actually Ned Stark's bastard son. What? Oh, Come on, God! Um, and then there's a lovely scene where Daenerys makes Tyrion her hand. So, mm-hmm. just just a lot of really really good moments. So, yep, wins a winner. That's mine. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a lot to cover in that episode. I will mention that I wrote, and I basically knew what was going to happen, but I put, sorry, Tommen, but between you and Cersei, only one of you can have that haircut. <laughs> and uh, I think we know who won. <laughs> um, <laughs> you play the game of bowl cuts. You win or you die. <laughs> um, so I don't have a worst episode either, but I do have two worst things. What? Oh. We're not talking about Terminator 3, but... Uh, my two worst things are one is very brief and pretty minor, and the other actually speaks to a larger issue I had with this season. Uh, the first of which is they kill the blackfish off screen, and I don't just don't 
why. Sure. This is wor- to me. This is more frustrating than this. At least Stannis like got his cool last line, and you. I mean, Blackfish he's there does get a cool get, last line. He does, but then it, it it felt very like season one where they're like, we don't have the budget to show this fight. But this was like, I don't know if I'm going to do very well. And later, just some extras like he died. And I was like, he probably didn't die, right? He's gonna, <laughs> but no, he's dead. And I just, hmm, it frustrated me. I'm sure there's a good reason. I'm sure there's a good reason, which was why I said I might be being petty. My other worst thing was that Bran is barely in this season for this being his return to the series. And when he popped up in the last episode, I just got like really frustrated because I was like, he's barely in, I, we've barely seen him. Like, comp- And I understand there's so much they're trying to do, and maybe this will change in 7 and 8. I don't know. But... And, and I think it's because I know where his story ends that I'm like, I, I, I want to be seeing more of him to help sure. me build to that, to these moments that I know are coming. And everything, every scene with him is good and it's important and it doesn't feel like wheel spinning. Like some of the brand stuff felt earlier in the series It's like every time we saw brand, Oh, here's this important information for us. Here's this big step forward for the character. This is great. But why are he, he's in like. I don't know, he's got like 10 scenes or something, and it just kind sure. of it just kind of frustrated me. Not not in like a terrible, terrible way, but it was something that I, I wanted to see more of him. And I think if I didn't know where his story ended, I wouldn't be thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I would just be like, oh, there's Brannigan. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. There's that Brannigan. Gotcha. But <laughs> in- <laughs> I was trying to go there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so those are those are my sort of uh, uh, middling. Uh, worst things. My best thing, I'm going to go a little or best episode, I'm going to go a little away from the, the great finale and penultimate finale and I'm going to go with episode 7, The Broken Man. Sure. This features uh, two of my all caps notes, the first of which is Ian McShay. <laughs> because Ian McShane is in it and he's great and I believe yes. his character's name is Ray. Correct. Which is amazing. His, his character's name, excuse you, is Brother Ray. <laughs> Brother Ray. <laughs> and he's just a humble septon, nothing too fancy is, for my man Ray. So in the he plays a character who is like uh I don't know if he even, he even has the same lines, but it's like a, basically a stand-in I guess for a character named Septon Marabold in yes, the books. Yes, yes, yes. Um which like I don't know why they changed the name, but I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty yeah, cool. In this name. case I'm totally fine. Pretty good name. Um but yeah, I it was great to see him, and and obviously we can talk about all of his great scenes with the Hound. But I think the thing that really drove this episode home for me is all the stuff with Leanna Mormont, mm-hmm. who I re- I mean I had heard about her. I remember all the memes, and she I, I specifically remember when she came onto the show when it was airing because I saw the internet just blow up about her, and she's fantastic. What a great character, and I really really loved the scene. With Sansa and John and Davos talking to her, that where where John's like, here are all these reasons you should help us, and she's like, those are dumb for these legitimate reasons, and he's like, those are legitimate reasons, <laughs> and Sansa's like, here are other legitimate reasons. She goes, those are dumb for these legitimate reasons, and Sansa's like, those are legitimate reasons, and Davos is like, hang on, I know it. And then I wrote in all caps, Davos Seaworth, friend to children. <laughs> he uses his. <clears throat> the <clears throat> excuse me, 
He uses the um, perk he earned from all his uh, Shireen experience. <laughs> exactly. All, all that, like, all those quests he did. Yes. Yeah, um, he he uncovered the secret of talking to children, which is respect them. Just, like, respect <laughs> kids. They're smart. They they know what's up. Just talk to them. I thought that was such a great scene with such great acting. Cunningham just really brought it in this, this batch of episodes. He's always great, but he really, really brought it home. And I just thought that was a really, really good episode uh, overall, but I loved uh, all the stuff involving uh, Leanna, mm-hmm. Mormont and Davos, friend of children. Tyler? Good stuff. Um, <clears throat> I'm, all... <coughs> I'm dying, it's fine. I'm also not going to give a worst uh, a episode, I think. I, I could probably make a small argument, but like this one was so... Every episode brought good things in a new way. I really did not have an easy time finding like any real problems. Yeah. Um, I am going to go with the winds of winter uh, as my favorite. I, <clears throat> I still think it's one of the, <clears throat> it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine <laughs> over here. <clears throat> I'm probably like getting it. I'm just going to like drink some ice real quick. You're going to get some good podcast audio of me drinking. You didn't eat, like, a pigeon pie or something before you started recording, did you? (laughs) Where are Lothar and Blackwalder? My my best is The Winds of Winter. I think it's just, it's one of, like, the best episodes of TV, I think, Mm. maybe I've, Mm. like, watched. Like Alex said, we watch it together. And I just... Like, I remember watching it that first time being like, what in the world? Like, this came out yeah. of nowhere. It's insane. All of the... <clears throat> I'm dying. It's fine. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I don't know if it's like dust oh, this... in this small closet that I have uh, taken myself to to try to improve the audio quality. But I've unimproved the audio quality by making myself uh, cough a lot. Um... But no, I think it's just an episode that has so much going on that concludes these really incredible scenes. Um, I mean, there are like, I I was trying to, as I was watching it, keep track of the number of plot lines that have been running for many, many seasons uh, Mm -hmm. that get kind of tied up in this one. Because you've got like the Marine stuff has been going on forever. Arya left for... Uh, Bravos in season four, and you know, obviously, Winterfell hasn't belonged to the Starks since season one, two. It, you know, there's just yeah, yeah. There's so many things that you know we've been waiting so long to see the conclusion of, and this is a very emphatic like we are moving on to a new era of the show. I mean, like all the stuff, right. the King's Landing politics. It's like that they we have literally blown them up. Um, that it is, things are done now. Um, and I don't know, I think George in the books definitely has some plans for all the wildfire in King's Landing. I don't know if this is what his plan is. Um, but I remember thinking from like the very first time I watched this, that it feels like this is a very logical, smart way to bring a lot of characters to a close and and like resolve a lot of different things going on at the same time because 
the I, I immediately think of in the stand a Stephen King book. Um, spo- mm. Spoilers for the stand in nineteen eighties novel um, that I'll try mm. to keep fairly vague. Basically, there's a point where, and I could not find an interview for this because I'm pretty sure I read this somewhere, but I couldn't find the actual like him saying this out loud. But it seems pretty clear. Basically, I believe Stephen King reached a point where he was like, I'm kind of running in circles with this thing. I'm on just all sorts of drugs and there, you know, I just can't, I can't get this to stop. Uh, the characters are sprawling and I keep, you know, taking them farther and farther. And he eventually just created, he was like, I'm just going to make this bomb go off and just kill off a bunch of people. <laughs> it's just like, I don't like, I, I have no real, like, I can't, I can't stay attached to these characters because they keep fraying and, and fragmenting. And going off in their own direction, and so I just need to like kill a bunch at the same time, and just be like, "This is the onus for the last act of the of the book." Um, so basically, what you're saying is D and D looked at George's notes, and they looked at the uncompleted <laughs> book, and they said, "We'll do what you should have did ten minutes ago." <laughs> basically, I, I really or in this think case, that's... ten years ago. Yes, I apologize uh, for not sticking ago. the landing with the um, joke. Anyways, no, I, I seriously think that's like what. They did. I think they were just like, okay, so, uh, and, and I think it's, you know, they, they set up the wildfire multiple times in this season. I really think that is a, uh, they, they turn around, they looked back at what they'd done through the first five seasons and they were like, okay, how do we get out of this? Uh, well, (laughs) what if we just blow up everyone in King's Landing? (laughs) I'm just so glad that they had that in in their arsenal to use, and it's something Mm -hmm. that's not only been hinted at, because obviously they use it during the Battle of Blackwater, but also that the Mad King was going to kill everyone with with this wildfire. Yeah. Um, So I like how, once again, looking back at what they've done and going, what can we pull? What can we use? Instead of just retconning or or doing something, like, completely new. Like, if Mm. if this whole season was... uh, Cersei telling Kyburn, make wildfire, and then we're going to put it all underneath the the, sure, the right. church or the sept. I, I feel like that would not have played nearly as well. Right. And especially because it goes back to, like, the Mad King was trying to light the caches of wildfire to burn everyone because he was mad, literally mm. and emotionally. Um so yeah, it's uh, it all works out really well, and I think there's a lot of like you said, Alex. There's a lot of really fine details in there that are just perfect. Um, I like the fact that Bicel just lays out a small child before he dies, like all the all, all the previously Varys's now Kyburn's little birds are coming up to start like stabbing at him, and he just whacks one and then falls <laughs> under a crowd of them. It's great, um, and that's actually a a little bit of an adaptation. I believe the last. Yeah. The epilogue of the the very last book that George wrote that came out um, is a uh, it's Kevin Lannister I want to say yeah. and Pycelle yeah okay yeah uh, or uh, Var- Varys has Kevin killed that way yes I thought it was Kevin and Pycelle but maybe it's just Kevin who dies that way either way so, uh, both of them die at Varys's hands and oh. little birds are involved mm-hmm. um, so they they've reconstructed that a little bit taken a little a little cue from it um i i think that the way lancel disintegrates is quite underrated uh he mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a very specific like th- that entire sequence the fact that they set him up as like okay he's this kind of minor character he's got history with cersei 
and now we've we're using him to kind of explain the stakes and the time the ticking time bomb and like what's going on here um in an entirely visual scene is uh, wonderful and like obviously that's something that Cersei would do is construct this very elaborate uh horrible way for him to die where he's trying to save everyone and ends up exploding uh while his while he's bleeding out um also shout out to the guy who gets obliterated by a bell um it's <laughs> yes. like a blink and you'll miss a thing but the, the bell just comes smashing down and there's just a smear on the pavement and it's horrible and great <laughs> um i guess that bell did mean surrender <laughs> surrender your life um i think <laughs> but don't give yourself away <laughs> i think there, there's some other stuff i'll want to get into from this episode but yeah, that that is such a like showstopper sequence uh, to to put in there and just be like, we're we've talked before about the fact that the show tends to spend, um, you know, twenty twenty five minutes at the end of an episode and it'll focus on something like Hard Home or like the uh, Joffrey's the Purple Wedding, I guess. Um, this is one of the first times where they start off an episode with that. <clears throat> Probably the most iconic, where it's just we've got other stuff to get to, but first we're just gonna sit on this for you know, a yeah. solid 15, 20 minutes of really masterful storytelling in a really beautiful way and, and tragic and, uh, awesome way. Uh, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I think that's such a great way to start because it's not the only big thing that happens in that episode. Like, right. It's a huge thing that it's like, all right, well now most of these characters are gone. And I actually had been under the impression that, I had somehow lumped Olena in with that group that I was like, oh, and that's how Olena dies. And I was I was very happy that mm-hmm. she didn't, which led to this really cool thing where she, Rivera's is orchestrating this alliance between her and Dorne. Yep. Uh, which was really neat because one is the Sand Snakes and Hilaria <laughs> kind of annoy me. And so watching <laughs> Olena just like, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb. <laughs> like, I really, I really like, like in that scene that uh, I think it's Tyene the youngest one um, tries to say something when Alita's like, do you have anything to say? And she like starts to open her mouth and she's like, no, good. <laughs> Keeps going. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny little. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. That, that was uh, really just fantastic. And. Uh, oh, when they bring back Tommen's body after Tommen just sort of walks off into the sky <laughs> Tyler, where does that rate on your guys jumping off of things? Well, you don't uh, you don't scale. get to see him. Um, however, yeah. I think it does give you a good feel for the uh, the impact because you get to sit there and stare at the window for a little bit. Yeah. So it's you know uh, uh, maybe not maybe not highly Look, rated, but uh, the, the I, bell, it's underrated. We'll say the bell getting launched from the sept and, and killing the, the random civilian. I think that that helps balance it out. Okay? That's that's closer to satisfying. I think something Nick... fell to the ground from, from a great height and we saw it. Okay. <laughs> and someone died. And someone died. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably mention this uh, more as well with uh, battle of the bastards, but uh, Miguel Sapochnik really has the, that eye for like, I want to kill one random person in a way that's <laughs> right. very memorable. Uh, that is exactly yeah. what you see in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, like Peter Jackson. And I think Peter Jackson yes. does that well with, uh, like, even in, like, King Kong and stuff like that as well. Um, where, you know, 
Lord of the Rings, you've got guys who are like standing on the wall when the wall blows up at Helm's Deep and that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. M- Miguel has that uh, has that mastery of like I'm going to yes. put this here so that like there's a lot of destruction and death going on, but also you're going to get like a specific connection to just like a horrible thing that happens to somebody in the middle of this. Um, yeah, Neil uh, Neil Marshall as well with. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Watchers on the Wall. Yeah, I don't know uh, if so I mentioned that, Derek, but I the same idea. The you know, the the show has a a, a couple of people who can really just like focus in on yes, uh, giving you a good death. Um, and, and so when they bring Tommen back to Cersei, and you know, they're talking about it. Kyburn is giving Tommen's corpse this look like. I bet <laughs> I could zombify that kid. <laughs> it's totally a like. Hmm. I. Uh, believe... I really can't wait for him and the the Night King to like high five. <laughs> I believe in the books there's an implication that somebody else's head is on the mountain, is on the mountain's body. Oh wow! And I cannot remember what or there's a maybe it's just a theory, maybe it's just a fan theory. I cannot remember who that's huh. supposed to be. I'll maybe I'll I'll research that and try to bring it back up later um, because I believe there's supposed to be some sort of like maybe it's a Joffrey or something like something something bonkers. Um, might just be like a complete <laughs> theory, but uh, I'll, I'll look into that. Just a little head on a huge body. Yes, <laughs> it makes them um, look even bigger. Do, the proportion. Do we? Do we ever see? Just simple yes or no. Do we ever see Dario again? No. 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 Yeah, we don't. Interesting. Interesting. Which is because uh... I won't miss him, but like I did kind of feel for him in that <laughs> goodbye. I was like. I not I don't really care about Chidario, but I like in this scene I am totally like in support of the just in the vacuum of him being like you're about to go take over a whole country. You don't have to do things by their rules and we love each other. Like let me come with you. And it it wasn't a it, it, it was this like very honest moment from him and she was like can't <laughs> the stars can't do it not today. <laughs> and he was like Okay, I guess I'm in. Maybe that should be the spinoff show: is Dario trying to run Marine? <laughs> it really should. Though. It's like Spin City or something. He's just like, uh? I think I think we'll have to discuss uh, both House of the Dragon, the the prequel series that's coming out, um, and then mm. just like any any things that we feel like we could uh, we could spin off of this uh, once we get to the end of the show. I think we'll have to spend it do a segment on that. Um, I agree. Uh, yeah, and just, just just like some last little notes I have on episode ten. Not like we're done talking about ten, but uh, Leanna, when she was given the speech to all the northern families about you weren't there and now you should swear allegiance, like all of that was so fantastic, mm-hmm. and that was totally a, a teary eyed moment for me. I just wrote Littlefinger sucks, and I can't remember why, <laughs> but it's true. Correct, it's just true. Um. I want to – Liana might be a good jumping-off point for getting into some other topics uh, um, because that scene is uh, – Wyman Manderley, uh, who is the first guy to be like, yeah, that little girl is right. I, I was a jerk. Um, I had forgotten about this when we were talking about this last week, but there's actually a scene in the, the last book – or maybe it's the fourth one, one of the two – where uh, – Davos gets sent down to try to recruit him, I believe. Mm. I guess still on behalf of Stannis. I don't remember exactly how that works out. Um, and Wyman gives like a speech where he's like, "The North remembers, you know, the 
we're we're almost done waiting. We're 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 looking for the chance to pounce on on the Boltons, um, and so like this sets up the idea that there's this big grand conspiracy uh, that's that's happening. And I kind of like the way the show does it more. And there are a lot of people who like do not cannot connect with the fact that the show changes that, so that the North is no longer like yeah. about to rise up to take back the Boltons. Um, and I really like the way the show does it specifically because it makes it so much more earned when yeah. like John defeats Ramsey and when the, uh, like when all the Northerners finally rally around him in the end. Um, and I, it, it helps that they've simplified it around this decision of I've let the wildlings in. It's like, okay, that completely backfires yeah. against the guys at castle black that backfires against the Northerners. They all hate him for it. Um, and, you know, they, they all kind of have some bad blood because they feel like Rob Stark screwed up by marrying Talisa and, and betrayed them all. And, like, he should have just kept his vows and then they'd be fine. Um, and so it's this whole thing where you create a situation that just feels like an impossible win. And then, of course, this also does bring in the Knights of the Vale and that creates some more political intrigue with Littlefinger and Sansa. And so there, I think they managed to simplify this in a way that makes a ton of sense. And again... Uh, I've, I've repeated this multiple times with other book changes. I don't think you notice if you were just like watching through the show. I yeah. Alex, you're, <laughs> you're nope. not or shaking your head. Nope. That well, sounds like it... convoluted stuff that we don't need. Well, the, all I can really think of is uh, Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> where Lando Calrissian, uh, you know, flies off and summons everyone to come back and fight. Uh, you know the the emperor or whatever and it's like ah he got the, he they they came cool <laughs> like yeah. you know it's it's in the books i think that's going to be a thing and it's going to be a long running plot line and there's a lot of political stuff going on with that that i think will work really well but mm -hmm. it's probably also going to work really well because it's very intricate and detailed and and like you can you have time to just sit there and, and explore these different connections and how that relationship uh, a bit like between all the northerners works uh and i just don't think i think if you tried that in the show it would be it would be very like they were given the the winterfell back from the boltons yay <laughs> like it's I, I think it would just be yeah. very hard to create a, a a way for there to be tension if you have the northerners all just rise up and be like all right we're 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 joining up again we hate the boltons now i i think in a weird way I, I don't think it necessarily sounds convoluted, but it, I think it sounds very complex, but is ultimately a fairly simple thing that, that Martin would be exploring in a very detailed way. Yeah. Whereas the show, by streamlining the motivations, they actually create a lot more moments of interesting things. Mm -hmm. like I feel like they have, like, it doesn't feel dumbed down. It just feels like. How can we simplify the base motivations and then do interesting political things within that? Yeah. It, it's kind of the reverse. Well, I think both can work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, well, I thought all that well, worked really well. And, and it was a nice way to remind us that, like, hey, Robin is still alive. <laughs> you know, just remember Robin's still around and yep. that's all That's all there. Let, let me so. amend my statement. I don't mean convoluted in terms of how the book handles it. I mean trying to – once again, trying to translate that into mm -hmm. oh, yeah. a 10-hour – format for a season yes like we don't oh yeah that have would, time that, for that yeah <laughs> and, Agreed, that and would not work. to your point last week you had talked about alex the pacing of the first five episodes it's very brisk yes 
And I think the only way to really pull something off like that would probably be to spread it out over two seasons. Right. <laughs> in which case you're you're digging yourself into more holes. Um, right. If if, the, if this show were were fifteen seasons, like like George says he wanted, or whatever, actors, like it should have been. Actors go into cryo sleep between seasons. So like like if to... if they wanted to make it that long, then fine, you can do all of that fun, you know, B plot stuff. But we, it's it's fine, guys. Yeah. Just relax. It's fine. <laughs> Don't have to do all of it. <laughs> And it's, I, I think it's, uh, we've probably harped on this enough, but I, I just want to reiterate, and I will continue to re- reiterate, because we're only going to run into more of these, like, complaints uh, as we go along. Um, it goes back to the fact that, like, they didn't leave it out of the show because they didn't want to do it. They left it out of the show because it was the only way to finish the series like they don't have a responsibility yeah. to do everything George wants to do right. because if they did everything George wants to do they would never finish the show yeah <laughs> like the, right. it's it's not a like oh we're just cutting things so that we can we can chug this along here it's we have so many logistics to deal with uh this is such an yeah. expensive show we have so many actors that are are bound up with like our contracts and everything and they're going to want to move on to do other things. They're getting older, <laughs> you know, like there, there's a point where we are yeah. consuming their lives with this show. Uh, and th- there's just too many variables to be able to continue to just follow whatever's in the books forever. Uh, and it would probably end up being less compelling because it's just yeah. not going to be as interesting if you're exploring less higher stakes plots and, delving into a lot of the little nooks and crannies of the world without really feeling like you have momentum for the overarching story. So I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of people who misunderstand that and, and feel like, Oh, well, it's going to be great when we get into the books. And it's like, well, I hope so. I want, I want it to be, but the books yeah. may never get finished just because they're impossible to finish at this point. Like it, it, you yeah. may not be able to wrap that up. I don't know. And I also, and I really enjoy the books, but I would say that, Momentum is not always something that yeah. happens in those books. Yeah. It has to. Be, it, it it is lost and found many times. Yes. Um, Cersei had a really cool outfit at mm-hmm. the end of episode ten. Oh, she really she, went, she went full like Sith Lord yeah. at the end with her fancy outfit. <laughs> yeah, well, it was great. the the funny part for me was like. Who, who is she wearing that outfit for? That's got to be just for her because she's spending that whole um, day herself. standing yeah. on that Alex, terrace because just she's a woman and she burn. doesn't owe you. I'm pretty sure you both just she's dressing for herself. like over each other for a solid thirty seconds. <laughs> I think Br- Britain, please go. You you seem you seem upset. <laughs> well, it just, she she doesn't she do, she doesn't owe you and your male gaze <laughs> any kind of particular outfit. She dressed for herself. She's not dressing for the realm, Britain. Alex. I mean, of house the, the be- patriarchy. Britain. The better answer would have been it, it's for the the septa that she's torturing. Oh, oh. So now it's so the better answer is not autonomy. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying, Britain. I am. I firmly well, stand the, by that. The only way to preserve to preserve her agency and and make sure that she was you know really like. Being true to the character and not just you know uh, being played around by the showrunners would have been to make her nude. That's it's just there's no. 
That's all. I'm we saying. established that she doesn't wear clothes sometimes. In the Walk of Punishment, she did early. All right, I'm done. <laughs> um, I sounded like I was making fun of people who complain about male gaze, and I'm like, it's a legitimate <laughs> thing to complain about. Um, but also, I think we should note that Sam is now at Old Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's exciting. I did a little peek into the cast list for the first episode of season seven, and I'm very excited about a particular actor who'll be showing up. And uh, he's so funny with the desk clerk, like handing him the <laughs> note, like, hello, there you are. <laughs> and the clerk is just like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. No women and children. <laughs> and Sam's just like, hi, hi, he, oh. Well, it, it, it is funny. <laughs> he's just, so good. You know, I, I say on the one hand, like, I appreciate that, you know, we're, we're kind of chopping stuff out where we need to and kind of condensing stuff. I appreciate that we see Sam's family. I think that's a very important yeah. moment. And yeah, I, I, I feel like it, it broad strokes if you're trying to plan this all out. I feel like that's something that would easily be considered for the chopping block. Yeah. I'd be like, nope, Sam and Gilly, they just went straight to Old Town. But no, I, I love that, that we get get a, a, a good amount of time with him kind of confronting his dad. Yeah, and um, it, it fleshes out yeah. where he gets everything because yeah. of the, mm-hmm. the sort of upbringing he had from his dad, like never believing him in him. And then we also get him stealing the family sword, which is great. Yep. Uh, and will be yeah. used. That's It's not just like a thing. That, that it's, uh, they pay it off, which is nice. We'll talk about it later. And our first um, actor I, I do for like... Dickon, because <laughs> he gets replaced yeah. in the next Oh, season. does he really? I believe so. Because I think it's one of the the lead actors in Umbrella Academy plays him in the next season. Huh. Sam's Wait, play, Sam's place. brother. Yes. Oh. I did not realize yeah, that was a I, recast. I thought I thought it was just him when I saw him. While there I was, was also a joke made at the expense of his name in the next season, sure. and it's pretty yep. good. <laughs> he um I recognize him. He was in Pitch Perfect. He was the radio host that the British guy that uh. They make the joke about him having abs. Huh. Oh. Yeah, and he was on a show called Unreal. Uh, uh, I would all would also point out that Heart's Bane, the name of that sword, reminded me of Heart Eater, Joffrey Sword, and I was like, this makes sense. <laughs> Sam's dad and Joffrey. <laughs> wait, wait, was Joffrey Sword Heart's Bane or Willow's Whale? Wid- or is that Widow's a different sword? Heart- Joffrey's was Widow's Whale. Yeah, but at one point he was he had a sword called Heart Eater at one point. Okay. Did he? And then later he called it Widow's Whale. Okay. And then Sam's dad has Heart's Bane. And it's all just True. very just very that. Uh, also, Baby Sam has got a lot of personality. <laughs> that kid is like fully aware and is just like, hey, what's going on over here? Uh, he was so cute. Um I yeah, obviously I love Sam and Gilly. Very much. So Arya, let's talk about Arya's arc. Um, I thought that the scene where she talks to Lady Crane and she's like, what's her name? And Arya goes, Mercy. I thought all of that was a little on the nose. <laughs> but I liked it. I, I do want to um, ask, I thought all because of that I, was, I remember this is kind of one point that I remember kind of the, the online community being up in arms about in terms of like, the show's going too fast. It's too fast paced. Arya being able to, to kind of heal her stomach fairly quickly. Well, 
I think she, that's just a question of editing because we don't actually know how much time well, has passed. There, there's a specific, uh, and I think this was pointed out at the time in online communities or whatever and kind of subsequently ignored, um, but I noticed it this time. They show uh, Lady Crane getting the bottle of Milk of the Poppy or yeah. whatever it is and giving it to her. And then they show her before the the wave confronts her and kills her. They show her taking it down and, and she realizes it's empty. So I think it is an editing thing to some extent. It could have been more clear. But I think the idea is that she's been there a while. Right. Like she it, mm. it has it's not just a oh, she wakes up, gotcha. you know, four hours later and she's fine. Um, and then also it does show her later bleeding out of her stomach because she does too much no, I, I appreciated including that as a part of the action sequence instead of just having her just like continually running and falling all over the place and, mm-hmm. and, and like she's still fine I like that at, at the end it's like oh she's <laughs> she's she's close to dead yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. the shot where Arya thinks she's gotten away from the waif and she's just kind of mingling with the crowd and then you just see the waif <laughs> behind her running on the ledge was amazing <laughs> it was great it was great yeah, I, man, you know, I gotta say, guys, I knew she had to go. I knew that she was, I knew it was her time. But the wave was kind of hot. There I said it. <laughs> I said it. Just go ahead. What? Take, take, weren't we, send me on my walk of shame, Septa. Weren't we, Septa, weren't we just talking about the mail case, Britain? <laughs> ah, dang it, you're right. Okay. There, there, see, I've, I've, I've shown my hand. Uh, uh, and I, can you guys remind me, in episode 8, I have a note that just says Sassy Kevin. What is that <laughs> referring to? I think you might be... There's a point where Kevin, and I think maybe Elena... Maybe Elena is leaving King's Landing. Yeah. And Kevin uh, is there, and he like said, he he's talking back to Cersei about something. Yeah. I don't... That must have been I'm that. not sure... Apparently it was noteworthy, but I I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I should have put some details in there. I do that quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I really, 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 really loved Brienne and Jamie talking in episode eight. Mm-hmm. That that conversation where she like tries to give the sword back, and it. I really just like the way that whole thing is built, where it's like Brienne's like, "I'm I'm not on your side." I'm on the exact opposite side of you, but like we're clearly like very close. Yep. I just thought all of that was very, very well done. Yeah, I, I really like how Jamie is handled in the the latter half. Between that and and yeah. him actually trying to to play kind of smart soldier slash leader and mm-hmm. trying to make a deal with the Blackfish, um, trying to negotiate with him and and Jamie's like the the whole time just the look on his face is just like I'm I cut people down I'm not built for this am I <laughs> uh, but um also when he confronts um the prisoner what's his name Edmure yes um the whole scene between them is wonderful where Ed, mm-hmm. Ed, Edmure's like the thesis of that conversation is does Jamie even think he's a good person that's the thesis of that scene and it's just it's great yeah yeah, Jamie says the things we do for love at one point, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty great. Yeah, I thought I, I completely agree. I thought that was just a fantastic sequence. I, the Siege of River Run is something that I think happens earlier in the books, which is where Jamie went instead of Dorne. Yeah, um, basically, it it took longer than the Dorne stuff took in the show, but it, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Kind of feels that. Yep. 
But I like that they still kind of were like, no, there's yeah. some good stuff in here, and that'll give us some closure on on the on some Tully mm-hmm. stuff. So let's 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 get in there and, and let's still do uh, it. Braun gets to uh, meet Pod again or talk to Pod. That was and great. Was cute. Yeah, I like that. Well, again, going so, going back to Battle of the Bastards, we need to raise the stakes. Like the Blackfish and and his men are not coming in to save the day. Yeah, um, yeah. So I like I like the way that it's structured, where it's like. Yeah, Littlefinger's got the army in the veil, but we've shown in the past like they never want to come out and help, and and just leaving it in the background long enough that when they actually do come and save the day, it is a genuine surprise. And like, I I I think a lot of people start to turn on Sansa. A lot of viewers start to turn on Sansa around this time. But I think it makes a lot of sense for her to be like, I don't know if John is good at this, and I don't know if I want to like play all my hands and and give him. For one, I don't you know. I know mm-hmm. how to handle Littlefinger to some extent. I don't want to have him dealing with Littlefinger. And two, I don't yeah. know if like he might screw this up entirely and like I you know, I want I'm I'm really not sure what's happening here. And then they actually have a conversation about it after. Yeah. Where she's like, Hey, I'm sorry yeah. I should have told you and then he's like, Well, you know, we we do need to trust each other because we're we're siblings and you know, we're Starks, we're finally back mm-hmm. in Winterfell. And so I think all of that is done in a way that's like interesting and you don't have to vilify Sansa for it. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, she she probably could yeah. have trusted him, but also, like, she... But it, also, they were logical she's decisions. been built to have severe trust issues. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and she, I think, it, it was, like, a purely tactical maneuver. Mm-hmm. She's like, regardless of your ability to lead, John, like, we don't have enough people. Yeah. Like, it's... The numbers aren't in our favor, and... I would rather, and, and she knows that they can't really trust Littlefinger, but she's like, I, I can get Littlefinger to help us. Cause, and if I don't, could he end up helping the Boltons? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what Littlefinger will do if I don't bring him over. But if I bring him over, then we win the fight. And then when there's this whole big conversation, that was why I said Littlefinger sucks. It's because he tries to like mm-hmm. kiss her again. And she's like, no, just oh, no, stop. <laughs> I did make it. There's a great. Yes, because uh, Littlefinger is like I. I picture if uh, me sitting on the Iron Throne yes. and you beside me, uh, and, <laughs> and then I decide if this action will take me there. And then she, he like starts to walk up to her, and she like forcibly stops him, walks away, and is like, "That's a pretty picture," and just leaves. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good." Mm-hmm. And somewhere, and somewhere, Ernest Hemingway is toasting <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, the homage. Yeah, I thought. Um... I thought all that was great. Uh, so is Edmure now? He whole he has River Run. That's what we're given to. Um, believe. I don't. I feel like the idea is that the Lannisters sort of really hold it. And then yeah. Sure. Sure. He's but surrendered yeah, entirely to gotcha. them, basically. Um. Gotcha. 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 So it's yeah. That. So you guys want to talk about the big battle? Really, actually, While real quick, already... I, I want to jump in with something yeah. um, that we haven't really addressed, even though it's it's part of your the episode you chose as your favorite. Um, we get another cold open, and the Hound is back, and mm-hmm. it's so good, and it makes that me happy. Um, I I love him so much, and I love that yeah. he's part of Brother Ray's youth group, and they're all just they're hanging out and they're they're building a sept. <laughs> and then and then you mentioned this last episode, uh, Lim Lemon Cloak. Uh, I assume it's supposed yeah. to be Lemon Cloak. Uh, shows up and he's yeah, a jerk. Yeah, gotta be. Um, yeah, um, as, as I wrote, lame layman dork. <laughs> oh, got him. Yeah, uh, ruffle those feathers. 
<laughs> and I uh, the scene in episode eight um, where I have my, so with Lady Mormont uh, or Liana Mormont, I wrote her name. I didn't do it all caps, but I, I had a note that was just her name with four T's um, in Mormont. <laughs> and uh, then also my my actual all caps note for this week was Hound Axe Massacre because he yes. just <laughs> rips like four guys. And it's yeah. amazing. It, it, I'm just like, yes! And I think they're arguing about something, or like one of the guys is like being real gross and pranking one of the other guys by like sticking a yeah, finger in his pants yeah. or whatever. It's like a very like disturbing right, weird thing. Right. You're like, why are we watching this? And then the hound just walks up and chops <laughs> all their heads off and like, uh, it's, uh, it's good. It's so good. Yeah. And it was, it was really great to have this moment of the show going like, guys, the hound is a good guy. Like as as much yeah. as there are good guys and bad sure. guys, don't worry. The hound sure. is with. And, and I really liked that when he was talking to Brother Ray that about his his backstory, he didn't lie about Brienne mm-hmm. when he was like, "Oh, those wounds, who got you?" He was like, "It was a woman. It wasn't a man." Like he was just like completely honest about it. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, Ian McShane was just so great. He did such a good job. And, and I like that they continue. To, obviously, we get Barrick back as a part of that, and now the Hound is with the Brotherhood, um, which was which was neat. Um, do we remember Tyler? Do you remember if all the stuff with Brother Maribald and well, because in the book that isn't confirmed to be the yeah, hound. we don't even know if the Hound right. survives. In the in the book, there is a a speech from yeah. Brother Ray slash Septon Maribald, um, yeah, where he is very very heavily implying that the Hound is dead. And I, he never right. says Sandor Clegane is dead. He's like the hound. Right. He's very dead. He doesn't exist anymore. Um, and then there's <laughs> like a bit like Brienne obviously doesn't recognize the hound. I, I don't know if she has Podrick at this point. Brienne's the one who, who runs into him. Um, yeah. And, and again, she never fought him before in the books. Right. And so in the books, she, she stumbles upon this place and there's a graveyard and there's a guy a real big dude who's mm-hmm. digging a grave and he has a limp. Um, and the guy's like, I found the hound and he died. And I yeah. like, it, it's a, the, it's a very like pointed speech that is like, okay, that guy is probably the hound. Yeah. And you don't really know <laughs> if he's going to uh, like be a factor again. Um, right. Obviously Britain, I don't know if we've discussed Clegane bowl before. Um, the I, I won't mention it again if you don't because it, it, it plays into the final season. I, we have um, not. Clegane Bowl is like an online uh, theory obsession uh, that I also was obsessed with. Uh, Annoying. Where so yes uh, about Sandor Clegane and Gregor Clegane having a final confrontation, um, and so the and we'll talk about that like whether or not yeah. that happens later, um, but that's like a thing a lot of people want to happen. And so it's kind of like, is he going to come back into the fold and is he going to get involved in stuff again? Or is it just going to be, Oh, he's found peace on this island somewhere. That's fine. Which also would be sweet. But, uh, I, I, uh, for the shows, uh, as far as the show goes, I uh, much prefer the hound going around chopping people up with an ax. I have to say, yeah, call me a simpleton and then I will accept it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I found that totally satisfying. And then he's hanging out with Barrack again. Yep. Like, that was great. And there's a... a... And, and I believe there's also a, a whole thing in the books where, like, somebody else for a while had the Hound's helmet. Like, right. Fargo Hote or, like, one of the bad guys. And so they were running off. 
committing all these atrocities wearing the hound's helmet. So there are all these people go, oh, the hound is doing these terrible things. But it wasn't the hound. Yeah. There's like so many double crosses and switch Mm -hmm. babies and glamours and everything. (laughs) Old women pretending to be young women. What is the world coming to? Um, (laughs) There is a very pointed scene where uh, Sandor is hanging out with Beric and he uh, goes to pee in the river. And like the way it's Mm -hmm. shot is very like, is is are we going to get Lady Stoneheart all of a sudden after all this time? Is that I mentioned this I think on a few episodes back, and I was thinking right. it happened earlier, but this is like the definitive Lady Stoneheart's not happening because like the whole idea is that they fish her out of a river, and then it's like ah oh, we have to save her, and then yeah, Lady Stoneheart being um, Catelyn Stark, uh, and so this one is just he's literally peeing into a river as we stare at the river, and then we walk away. <laughs> it's like okay, I guess I guess we're <laughs> confirming that's done for. Um, at least that's how I interpret it. It feels like that's... No, I, I yeah, I think that's a very fair thing for you to interpret and for them to decide to omit. I think that's yep. totally fine. Um, when Arya gets to uh, 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 the twins, and I liked Walder Frey and bragging and mm-hmm. crowing and everything, and then Jamie just shuts him down. He's like, you don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? But when, when Arya kills Walter Frey, I wrote, attend the tale of Arya Stark. Because there were some Sweeney Todd vibes. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's people in pies. There's a blade across a neck. May I also point out, uh, the the girl that Arya is impersonating is, that which therefore it seems to be Arya, is walking around during the feast and serving people when Jamie and yeah, uh, Bronn yeah. are there. Um, and she's, like, staring at Jamie, and Bronn's like, oh, she's staring at you because you're, you're the big fancy knight who's handsome. Um, but, obviously, it's like, oh, maybe there's a different reason. Um, she She's walking around, and this, I don't know for sure this is, like, a thing that was intended, uh, but I would just like to point out she's talking to both, I think, Jamie and Walder, and she says, my lord, instead of my lord. It's like, ah, mm, highborn, lowborn awesome. girls say my lord. Hmm. I don't know. I think that's a neat I like little. That. I don't know if that's supposed to be yeah. a thing or not, but I, I thought that was interesting. Um, that's great. Also, yeah. I. The only thing that would have been better is if when she was talking to Walder, she was like, What can I do for you today, my lord? A stylish trimming of the hair, a soothing skin massage. Pretty women. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a whole thing. Ah, what a good show. What were you going to say, Tyler? Uh, speaking of Braun, I really like, you know, for all the the maligning of the Doran plotline, I like how that really helped Braun switch from... It was it was starting when Braun was helping Jamie train, but it really helped him transfer from, like, Tyrion's mm. right-hand man to Jamie's right-hand man. Yeah. And so now we've just got... We're yeah. just like, ah, oh, yeah, Jamie went and grabbed Braun, and now they're chilling in the Riverlands. Like, that's yeah. that's a thing now. Um, I, I just thought yeah, that was there's cool. a great line where, yeah, where, where, where Jamie says something like, a Lannister always pays and Bronn's like, I know, stop, I get it. <laughs> He's like, you always say that. <laughs> um, a quick note, in episode 8, uh, there's a red priestess preaching in the street. Mm-hmm. Um, she's her, The actress's name is Melanie uh, Liebird, or Liebird. And for people who are watching season 3 of This Is Us, like Britain... Guess what? Zoe on This Is Us is not American. She's British and was on Game of Thrones. <laughs> so that was crazy to me. Uh, she's super talented. Um, 
Also, it just in this batch of episodes occurred to me, Westeros and Essos are west and east. And Correct. And I, I got that Westeros was west, but then like <laughs> the Essos being east, um, I was like, oh, it, I'm not on. joking here. Would it would it uh, would it help at all if I told you that this the continent below is called Sotheros? Like I think it's is that canon? Yeah, I think it's S O F Y R O S. Maybe there's, there's, an extra, there's an extra O in there, but it's a, a Sithorios, something like that. Oh, that's, mon- that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> he's I, got all these names. He's got all, he's like, oh, I got I got you Sandor, and I got you uh, Wyman, and, you know, I've got um, uh, Sansa, Asha, yeah. Sansa, you know, I'm just throwing, oh I've got God. Viserys and Damon, and like, we're, you know, we've just got all, Damon's not a weird name, I guess, but it's spelled weird. Um, yeah, and I got all these names. <laughs> I'm just gonna call the continents Westos, Estos, and Southos. Sounds like somebody was reading the Westing game before he got out his <laughs> typewriter. That's a literature joke. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of jokes, another one of my favorite scenes in this TV show is when Tyrion and Missandei <laughs> and Grey Worm are telling jokes. <laughs> I make joke, and then he like says something that makes no sense, and Tyrion's like, "Okay." And later he's like, "I soldier. Why would I no joke? I make joke <laughs> or something." I, it's so good. Tyrion tells a joke that I did not get. Okay, so but I loved his reaction to Missandei's because Missandei was so excited to tell it, and he was just like, "Oh, okay, Missandei." Are you talking about? Does he finish one first, and then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the he finishes one because yeah. he, he says one about the Northerners. He's talking about like, oh, the Northerners are big yes. brutes, and they want the you know the the joke is that they want the the wine back from the fly that was in their drink. Yeah, and oh, so that's okay, that's one. Okay, okay. Um, but then he also tries okay. to say his um, honeycomb and a donkey uh, <laughs> joke again, uh, and it's uh-huh. uh, it's fun. And he doesn't get to finish it again. I like it. <laughs> Someone has come up with a. <laughs> yeah. I, it's probably a little too crude for us to we try to be gotcha. relatively family friendly here um but somebody has come up with what is probably the punchline to that uh which is quite fun um on, like online someone has pointed out what it probably is uh we can discuss it off air um and you can go <laughs> look it up dear listener <laughs> um one of maybe the most crushing scenes to me in this batch was when davos stumbles upon the ashes of shireen's funeral pyre or not for your part of the stake she was burned at, like, and he finds the the stag he carved her. Mm. There's this beautiful shot of him standing there against yes, like the sunset. I, I noted but that. That is, oh man, it's just gutting. But then Alex, you mentioned this when he goes to confront uh, Melisandre. It's so satisfying. It's like you've Davos has been is is still so sensible, and now he's like, okay, now I have all the evidence I need to like point out that she's terrible, and he just rips into her and it's such good acting from Cunningham like he's so good in that scene and and I I actually I'm interested in Melisandre's character these days because she's very like I don't have I don't have power it's all through him but I don't even know if magic is real I'm like magic is clearly real Melisandre (laughs) Um, but all of that I found really great and now she's writing south where to southos I think (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we want to talk about before we dive into Battle of the Bastards. Um, 
This is a small thing, but I really like the fact that in episode six, they, uh, first of all, they have the Tarly dinner, uh, that is just horrifying Mm -hmm. to watch. Like, it's just so awkward. It gets, it just completely disintegrates and, uh, I hate it and I love it. Um, the, (laughs) in the play that they have, uh, the, the fake play that Arya is watching towards the end, they have Tyrion, they, they show Tyrion shooting Tywin slash Richard E. Grant. And, uh, now he's saying to the audience, like, now time to find out if Tywin Lannister really the crap's gold, um, which is, I, I think, a fun little thing because that's a like running joke, I get, yeah. or like it's a saying people say in the books. And then in the books, when he dies, uh, like in the, the narrator, I guess, George, <laughs> I don't know, um, says, <laughs> like, it turns out that Tywin did not, in fact, crap gold um and yeah. so like obviously there's no like Tyrion's not gonna stop and like say point at him and laugh and say something like that or like you know there's no way to work that into yeah, the dramatic yeah. scene in the show uh and so i think that's fun that they they squeeze it in there um also in episode six i had yes, a note that, that uh dean charles chapman uh nails tommen so hard um he just mm-hmm. he does a brilliant mm-hmm. job especially this season of he's of, great like yeah. portraying someone it again goes back to Joffrey where Joffrey um Jack Gleason had to be very like you know confident and commanding and also have this vulnerability of being just a child and being very immature uh against all these amazing yeah. actors and now Tom is in kind of the same position he can be more like vulnerable and scared but he still has to like find a way to put up put up the facade of like how this character would react I think it it it's just a really great performance, um, and I think he, he really shines in this, where he's trying to, like, figure out how to navigate all the political stuff, and he really is just completely in over his head, and he doesn't like what anybody's telling him. Uh, it's it's really good. I like that whole sequence. My my first all-caps note was, Jamie rode a horse up some stairs, <laughs> which was awesome. I know the CGI in the face isn't the face, but he <laughs> rode a horse up some stairs. In the fiction, Jamie rode a horse up some stairs. Mm-hmm. My second one was Tommen went sparrow. Like I did not see that coming. I thought that was like I think I actually gasped when when mm. he walked out. I thought it was going to be Loras or something. Uh-huh. I did, uh, but when Tommen came out, came out, I was like, oh. Duh. I, I, I was a little bit confused about that, and this is something that I feel. I don't know how you do this without you know just completely Spoiling getting it. rid of that surprise. But there's that scene where he goes to talk to Cersei and he's like I want to learn from you. Tell me what to do and and it makes it seem like oh like Cersei is taking full control of him. And then I think the next time we see him is is that scene. It's like <laughs> oh yeah. what happened? Huh. Maybe there is some some other scene where he's talking with the high sparrow but that seemed I almost feel like the scene where he's talking with Cersei could have been cut. True. I yeah, you may be right about that. Um, my I had a my my question was did did Olena know like I thought maybe this was all a ploy that like, I think Tyrell because Marjorie was going right along with it and I couldn't tell if it was like did Olena have this plot to like hey convince Tommen to go the, get into the faith and all my this, interpretation um this this go round is that Marjorie orchestrated this because she was like if I can get mm-hmm. if I can make the High Sparrow think that I'm on his side and if I can get Tommen to join him. Then we'll still have all the power, but we'll do it through like you know we'll we'll actually consolidate all this yeah. because there's that scene where she's talking with Elena, and um, Elena's like trying to convince her to to leave with her, and she's like, "What do you you know? We have to get Loras out. I'll storm the I'll storm King's Landing or whatever." 
uh, and Marjorie hands her a, a handkerchief with a rose on it to kind of be like, hey, it's okay. You can trust me. I know yeah. what I'm doing. Um, and so I think that's supposed to be Marjorie's play, is that she's the one who convinces okay. Tommen to join so that then that way they can uh, sort of consolidate the power and, and, and get a leg up on like Cersei and get back, get yeah. things going back in the right direction. Um Okay, that, that 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 makes sense. Yeah, I love that whole scene. Uh, you could tell that Jonathan Price has done more theater because he was better at projecting mm. his voice. <laughs> um, but there's also some like, genuine comedy in there. Like, I wrote that Mace is a very important horse boy. <laughs> like, when he rides up and he's all like, It's me! Hello! But uh, Diana Rigg has a fan, and that fan steals the whole scene. Yeah. They just cut to her occasionally, and she's like, Uh, shunk! Flap, 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 flap. Uh, Mace it's trying so to good. hype up his men is so good. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. like trying to do the to death, to to glory. To, mm-hmm. and they're all just kind of like, okay, yeah, sure, Mace, sounds good. Wasn't there a movie we recorded somewhat recently where? Oh no no no, Tyler, you were talking about in a... yes. Lord of the Rings, when Theoden just goes, death, death, and it's just very metal, like Mace is trying so hard. <laughs> yes. I, it is not this day. I almost feel like it's no much. I, I feel like it's supposed to be like a like a joke, like playing oh, yeah. off of a yeah. you know, Lord of the Rings speech. There's also, at the end of that, when the Dothraki are going, Daenerys and the Dothraki are going back, they're like, Dario and, is talking to her, and he's like, so what's the plan? We're about to be back in Marine, like, how are we going to get ships? What What's the action plan? And she's like, dragon speech. Like, all she does is get on the dragon and go, I will find him. I will burn him. And I was like, no, Daenerys, we need leadership. You're not telling us anything. Uh, it was so funny. I do like the... The, the, we'll, we'll creep into Battle of the Bastards here. Uh, I do like all the Daenerys yeah. stuff in Battle of the Bastards. I think it's it's very effective yeah, both yes, in terms yes, of everything she does with the Maesters and, and uh, Tyrion and Grey Worm help her like, take them down. Um, it's a really great gambit yeah. where once they realize they've lost because all the dragons are burning all the ships and you know ruining their siege, uh, Tyrion's like, all right, choose one of you to die. And then the other two guys are immediately like, yeah, choose him. He, he's not, he's an outsider. He's not one of us. And then Grey Worm comes up and he does the sick knife move where he kills the mm-hmm. uh, the other two guys and, while the other guy, the one guy they chose is kneeling. Um, and it's great. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I, that's super effective. Um, and then also the Theon and Yara show up and, uh, God, that was so good. I had no idea. that. Was yeah. Coming. It's a really good scene. And where everyone's confronting each other over like, well, your father did this. Well, your father did this. And, Theon, why why yeah. are you supporting her? And you know, you betrayed the Starks. What it, like? I really love that. Yeah, it's sort of a back and forth, but then they they work out more and more of it until they're like, okay, we can kind of respect each other here. Um, I really like that scene. Yeah. It ends with a, a handshake between, like, a manly handshake, quote unquote. Oh, it was a warrior bond yes. clasp uh, of like. It was so between great. Daenerys and Yara, and that's a lot of fun. I think that's a that's a nice moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because she specifically yeah, and, is is saying, you know, we both had terrible fathers. We're going to make better choices, and that's it's yeah. it's a good political move. It's cool. I like it. Again, she does say she does tell them no more, no more pillaging and reaving. You can't do yeah. any of the things your people are known for. You have to stop. <laughs> she right. does again go <laughs> yes. back to 
if I order it, I can make it happen, as opposed to I have to figure yeah. out a way to... And if you don't do it, or... I'm going to burn your cities yeah. to the ground! Uh, so <laughs> she's still working on, on that approach, but... Yes. When I like that opened up with Tyrion saying, we haven't seen each other since the Winterfell. You made fun of my height. Everyone who makes a dwarf joke thinks they're the first to make a dwarf <laughs> joke. Like, all yep. of that was, was marvelous. And I was like, who's he talking to? Is it Rob's ghost? Oh, it's, it's Theon, of course. <laughs> it's... Uh, but yeah, and then we get the uh, the big the big fight. Also, Sansa's eyebrows look fantastic <laughs> for being in the cold, desolate north. They are so on sure. point. Um, my first note for episode nine is: When is the right time to watch Wishmaster? So <laughs> I don't think I was really paying attention. I see, they talk more about the Mad King, um, but Sansa has that quote where she says, "No one can protect anyone." Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was quite. That's that's one of those like you you put it on the season seven poster of like this mm-hmm. is Sansa's poster and here's her caption like that's it's one of those like defining yeah, yeah. Uh, character lines uh, or, or like philosophy For lines sure. uh, which is quite good. Yeah. So so going into this episode, I did I knew I, I I've known how Ramsey goes out the whole time. I had forgotten but remembered that Rickon went down in this one mm. as well. I didn't know anything about the way the battle played out, but it was interesting for me because Watchers on the Wall and Hard Home, I, I knew about Egret, and I think that was a, was all that I knew. And so I was really tense during yep. those scenes because there were so many characters that didn't know what was going to happen. The Battle of the Bastards, I was like, I know that Tormund lives through this sure. fight. And I know that John and Sansa, I know that Ramsay dies afterwards. Like, it was interesting watching it, and not I didn't feel as tense, and yet I was still really interested in how it was laid out, because I, I like that it felt so different, and that there were like military tactics being yep. used, and that all these great aerial shots of going, oh, they're surrounding them, and the shield wall, and fencing the men, and I, I thought it was really interesting, and John almost gets buried alive mm-hmm. before he doesn't. Uh, yeah, I thought all of that was really, really uh, interesting to watch. Well, even further than that, I appreciate how it, it's not just like, oh, Ramsey's men, they've got a strategy, they know exactly what to do. It's also John and everyone else on his side going, oh, we've got a plan, we'll be fine. <laughs> oh, he's got Rick yeah. on. Oh, never mind. Just charge, charge, <laughs> go, go, go. Well, I, lo- yeah, I love when Davos, Davos at the archers, he's like, look at us back here. And then he gets his sword and they all just like run up to help. And I'm like, 15 more guys. <laughs> Those are the Mormons. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, well, just like even, even the, just the wonderful displays of just how different the armies are. Like when they're, mm-hmm. when they are being held back and Davos is like, Oh, don't fire our arrows. We'll hit our own men. And Ramsey on the other side is going fire. Hit our own men. Kill them all. <laughs> Uh, it's it's great. I'm, like like everything that's been said about about that battle has been said. Just the one take with John going through the fight. He yes. he's constantly in a state of bewilderment because he doesn't know what's going on. It, he tries to grab a guy to go send a message, and he immediately gets like a spear <laughs> in the head. <laughs> and it goes on so much longer than seems like plausible <laughs> like yeah. you, as it like you yeah. wouldn't expect them to film all of that you keep expecting to be like okay that was a cool shot and then it keeps going and he's just dodging horses and yeah. he's like what's happening and like arrows are raining down and people are getting shot he's stabbing guys every now and then and it, yeah it's uh it's insane 
Um, it's a crazy, beautiful shot. Um, also, Tormund totally, spoilers for The Walking Dead, totally Rick Grimes somebody. <laughs> like, when he's fighting yes. the car Stark, he just, like, they're just, like, headbutting each other. And then finally Tormund's like, all right. And then he just bites his neck. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Um, all, I thought that was just awesome. Uh, and 1-1, one, one, of course, 1-1. One, one. We had we had to lose somebody, mm-hmm. I guess. And specifically the way he does it, where it's like he's sitting there and he's like, "I'm I'm going out on my terms, John." That's that's the vibe you get between John's John's looking at him and he he reaches out to put a hand on him, and then Ramsey shoots him through the eye. I did think like, that I, yeah. I I'm not a big fan of that moment. That feels like a bit more like we're pausing for drama as opposed to what would actually happen because Ramsey would have shot John. I feel I don't feel like he would have shot the already he, wounded may, on his knees he, giant. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, but he's also cruel, well, and, he, and he's like, "Well, yeah. I'm gonna die. I better." Yeah, make I guess. John I guess suffer. he 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 is already admitting defeat, basically. So yeah. yeah, I. Or if anything, he may have been like, "If I kill that giant, I might be able to still kill John. If I kill John, I may not be able to kill that giant." <laughs> um, I really love the like kind of interplay between John and Ramsey. Um. Obviously, the opening where they're meeting each other in the, or the opening of the battle where they're meeting each other as like a parlay, and uh, John's like, "Hey, you and me should fight," just like Jamie did with Rob, and then, uh, you know, again doing the sensible thing like Rob did. Ramsey's like, "I don't know if I'd beat you. you know, everyone says you're a pretty good fighter. I'm not <laughs> gonna do that." Um, and then I like that John tries to play that into a, "Oh well, you know, your men they may not respect you," uh, like. That I think that's that's nicely done, um, and then we revisit that at the end of the battle, and Ramsey's like, "I actually would like that fight now." <laughs> it's a very <laughs> I've reconsidered. It, yes, yes. Um, it's a very Joker moment. Like I feel like that's a very like <laughs> Batman has foiled Joker's plans and uh, you know beaten him up, and now he's dangling from a. Uh, like in Dark Knight or whatever, he's dangling from <laughs> rafters. That feels like something that the Joker would say that I quite like um, because yeah, I yeah. think that plays well. Um, but also Ramsey Baton John is great where he brings out Rickon mm-hmm. and John just completely, you know, I, his eyes go red. <laughs> he's like, must save Rickon, yeah. must kill Ramsey. Uh, and then he he looks around after Rickon gets killed and realizes, oh crap, you've you've trapped me here, and assumes he's just about to get trampled by a bunch of horses before his side comes charging in. That shot of him standing there as he rips his, his sheath off because he's oh, like, yeah. well, I don't need I don't need the sheath anymore. I'm I'm about to die. I'm just gonna <laughs> die with the sword in my hand. Um, and then all everyone's charging at him. It's it's such a good shot. Um, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah absolutely brilliant. Uh, you guys have probably already known about this, but it, it I, I I had not realized that Robert touches all the dead, all the Starks that are going to die. Hmm. And when he when he for in season one when he is meet, greeting them all in Winterfell, he hugs Ned, Ned and Catelyn. He shakes Rob's hand and he tussles Rickon's hair. I think I may have those, caught that. Those, yeah. Rewatching it, and I didn't want to say anything because I didn't know <laughs> how much you knew at the sure, time. Sure, and, sure. And, yeah. But I thought that was I was like. All four of yeah, all all the the Starks that he touched all die, yeah. and then all the ones he doesn't are fine. fascinating. Uh, yeah, so maybe Rob, Robert was behind the whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Robert, Robert's up there yelling at Stannis. I well, I killed Rickon, <laughs> and then you know he he played a nice little thumb war with Theon, and that's why Theon only lost parts. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and he, we know that he used to pat Tywin on the back. Uh, so. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I really love the image of him walking up to me like, Ah, Greyjoy, ah, you grew up. Give me a thumb war. <laughs> One, two, three, four. I don't, I don't want to play a thumb war. I don't. My father was Bill on Greyjoy. He's, I'm his rightful heir of the Iron Islands. And we don't give up our thumb wars. <laughs> you play the game of no thumbs. more reaving and pillaging. Only thumb wars forever. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to break the wheel. Well, how are you going to do that? I'm going to implement thumb wars only for all of Westeros. <laughs> when you play the game of thumbs, you win or you get a blister. <laughs> We have fun here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Benjen is back and then rides away. Yeah, I thought that was a little lame, but... Well... To be fair, I did not even remember that that was a plot point, even though that instigates everything with the Night's Watch going into season two. Um, But yeah, if if you're watching this for like the first time, like Benjen Stark is a nothing character, so it's not a big deal. Well, this is... So there's a character called Cold Hands who shows up in the books when they I think just when they cross the wall. So he actually helps them get all the way to the wall or to um the yeah. three red ravens are. Um and he I think George has like strongly hinted that it's not Benjamin because I think in the in the books mm-hmm. there was actually like a description of like oh this character is uh you know hundreds of years old or something like that. Um yeah. The show is just kind of like, yeah, we're going to combine these two characters. And I, th- yeah. the one thing that I'm upset about is that, and maybe this was in the show and it just wasn't like dis- distinct enough for me to like parse it. Um, but Cold Hands rides on a rides on a massive elk, I believe, mm-hmm. um, which Benjen is. He it does, seems yeah. to be just a horse, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. And that made me sad. I will say, <laughs> I, I, I will admit to that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just kind of. I think it's mostly just well. We should address what happened to Benjen. Yeah. Uh, there's this character that yeah. is completely unexplained from the books. Look. We'll combine them. Look, it's in, fine. in a character we haven't seen since the first season, I just throw points at them because they brought the actor back. <laughs> sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. If someone else showed I'm up and they were like, I'm Benjen. Seriously, though. Like. <laughs> but it's like a really a really big name, obvious actor like Nathan Fillion or something. That would be, <laughs> uh, that, that, that would be really driving it home. It's just... Is that, is that John Cusack? Yeah. What are we doing? Carl um, Urban? I'm, I, I take it we're done with Benjen, right? Benjen, I, I take it. I believe so. Okay. I could be wrong. Alex is giving me a funny look. He sh- he, Maybe I'll... He shows up He shows up and does an awesome save. He for, appears uh, again. Brandon I'm just going to leave it Does he really? Okay, so you're, you know that for sure. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. I have not watched um, season seven in... I think since it came out, like I don't think I've actually rewatched mm. season seven. So, 
Well, uh, gotcha, gotcha. There might be some stuff I have to remember from that. Hmm. Indeed. I like that Mira's having to step up. She's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been stepping up from the beginning, but like, she's kind know, of the like the her. only one on Team Brand that does anything. I I really felt for her I mean, when she's just like she's just pulling him away. And mm-hmm. and she's just stuck in the cold, and she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm just this guy's supposed to be super important, but he just feels like dead weight. Like I, I'm just. She completely breaks down. Like I, I, I very much felt for her during that. And she's like pulling out the sword. She's like, All right, we're going down. And and Brand's like, I want to touch that tree. <laughs> the tree has secrets. <laughs> uh, I, I I completely forgot my follow-up joke that I'd written down for uh, Ramsey sounding like the Joker at the end. We we do find out how loyal a hungry dog really is. Oh that. my! So God. yes, we do. <laughs> right, we do. I, I think I think the effects overall on the show are, are of course spectacular, but I think the actual scene where the dogs eat Ramsey, there's a shot where just the dog is looking at him and then goes to like bite him. Yeah. That was very rough. And there's a it, rough. It, 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 yeah, yeah. Rough, rough. It it doesn't look quite right, and I think there's a reason it's a very quick cut. <laughs> Could be. I don't yeah. know. I find that horrifying because it kind of just eats his face. Like yeah. it just clamps down like around his yeah. jaw. Uh yeah, you get enough to know like, oh they ripped off his like lower lip. Yeah. Um also, I I feel we should be fair. Uh, we have pointed out Daenerys' uh, shortcomings many times. Sansa is mm. she's she's on a bit of a dark path right now. Like she's walking away from that from yeah, and yeah. listening to Ramsay getting ripped apart, and she's smiling. <laughs> like no, not everyone yeah. or no one on the show is really entirely innocent. I mean, Arya's just no, like ready to go. Certainly. Like she's sure. already gone on a murder spree, but she's just yes. ready to go. <laughs> Arya wants more blood. Uh, we've we've she's gone too far. Or not far enough. Um, there is a, a line in episode 7 that... I think it's when, when... I can't remember. I think Davos says it. But it was particularly uh, poignant in 2020 where he says, you don't cure a disease by giving it to other people. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Is that in... No, that, I think I'm thinking of a different point. I was going to mention... It might, have, it might not have been Davos. For some reason, I have Davos in well, my head as saying that. Maybe it was Barrett. I did want to bring up um, Davos and uh, it may have been Septon Maribald that you're thinking of, or Brother Ways. Sorry. Yeah, it might have been. Um, it might have been. But yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Davos and Tormund have a little conversation before the battle. Uh, that is just mm-hmm. really sweet. It's just a, it's not like groundbreaking, but they just have like a nice just discussion of like who each other is and like. They just yeah. talk it out a little bit. They're they're getting some nerves out. Tormund offers him a drink, and he's like, "No, I'm going to go yeah. walk and clear my head." It's just a sweet moment, and then obviously he finds the uh, yeah stag, and it's less sweet. But uh, I really like that, and put a put a pin in that because it, it's there's a thematic thing that'll come back with that um, later on. Um, I, I think there's a lot of fun overlap between Sapochnik's, uh like episodes. Like I think. A lot of these, he, mm-hmm. he thinks about these and, and puts in touches that kind of follow up on each other. Um, there was one. There's something in particular. Uh, I don't know if I remember it. Maybe it'll come back to me. Um, I mean, I guess just in general, the fact that like that he's now had two battles he's directed with John. 
And mm-hmm. the, actually, yeah, we mentioned with Hardhome, there's the running shot of John um, kind of dashing through everything as all the whites are starting to swarm out of the mountains. Um, and then also just the general like play on the claustrophobia and the fact that in Hardhome, like everyone's stuck behind the doors yeah. and then they're all pouring out on the beaches and there's no room. It's kind of the same thing here where it's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, it focuses really heavily on the, uh, just general, like, d- disgustingness of, uh, especially yeah. medieval battles in, in this situation. Um, Certainly. where there's just all the mud and the grit and everyone's combined together and it's chaos and no one knows what's happening. Um, and everyone's panicking. Oh, and people are literally running and they're running over piles of yes. bodies. Like, that becomes the battlefield is people climbing up over corpses. Like, it was, yeah. it was really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> two two funny la- last bits that are just funny jokes from or things I noticed from uh, Battle of the Bastards. One I really like that uh, Tor- or John is is talking to Tormund and I think Davos and he's like, so we're gonna we're gonna set up this way so they can't do a pincher movement on us and Dav- or Tormund just stares, and then he's like, uh, <laughs> they they can't flank us. And, and Tormund just has no response. And then he says, they can't hit us from both sides. And Tormund's re- reaction is immediately just, good. And like, there's no, he doesn't play it as like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> like, there's no... I like that. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, Tormund is wonderful. It's fantastic. Also, I, I joked earlier, way, way earlier, about the fact that Castle Black has a lot of random, um, like, Harry Potter, Hogwarts similarities. Yeah. John jokes about playing with broomsticks in this episode <laughs> that's true and i'm just like are you oh, doing it on purpose D? <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of kid death sure so. <laughs> oh just saying <laughs> they come back to the wall and they're like well we have winterfell again and ned's like i have ended quidditch um, <laughs> That's what I've been doing. <laughs> Ned Ned also becomes a, a frozen, like, headless ghost man with Bingen, and they just go off and they're just playing sports. It's good stuff. Look, it's nearly he- it's nearly headless Ned. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Sean Bean's never in Harry Potter, right? Am I? I, I feel like he should have been. I feel like that would have made sense. No, he's not. Oh, God. Can you imagine? <laughs> if he was... But he has to be something like Rufus Scrimgeour oh, or sure. some like, goofy character. Now, now that we... Would be very Now that we've said this, it. he's going to show up in one of the Fantastic Beasts sequels, right? <laughs> not what I right. meant! <laughs> not like this! It's me. He, he rolls out, I'm your new defense against the Dark Arts teacher, Gildroy Lockhart. <laughs> what? Celebrity is a celebrity does. <laughs> oh, I need it. He's so wonderful. They just recast uh, Johnny Depp as uh, Sean Bean in between sequels. <laughs> it's like, Grindelwald is now this guy. Grindelwald was Colin Farrell. <laughs> he's now Johnny Depp. And now he's going to turn into, <laughs> into Sean Bean. Yes. He's wearing a glamour. Sean he's Sean actually Martin. an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> He was Betty White it's the whole Professor time. <laughs> Lordy. Um, 
I don't know that I have. I think we've well covered pretty much all my notes. I, the one thing I did want to say is that um, Elena, I think these episodes really bring out the fact that she is a pretty cruel person. Um, there's a lot of like yeah. good snark from her earlier on, but like, and obviously she does kill Joffrey. Um, but also in this one in particular, I think there's some moments where you notice that she's just like, Oh, she's, she's fairly hateful. Like, she, you know, she's not that different from yeah. Tywin in terms of the way he views things and the way he feels about things. Like she's, she's willing to murder whoever and like is, is kind of, uh, very utilitarian and, uh, not empathetic in that way. Um, which I thought was interesting. It actually yeah. will be relevant, um, I think, next season. So something to keep in mind. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, because up until now, she only wanted... She was only going against people that the audience was also yeah. against. So we're like, yeah, she's great. Joffrey should totally die. And now you're starting to be like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Olena? I mean, she's wonderful. Don't know, I still love her. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, I think it's a good, it's what a great performance in that she, like, is able to make it yes, be... Yes, 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 Okay, she's, you know, very quick-witted, and she's fun to watch. Uh, but there, you know... Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think Tywin is a really good comparison in terms of, like, very similar outlooks. Um, yeah. And very much a, if I like you, then you are totally in. But if I don't like you, then yeah. just stay out of my there way. Right. Very uh, extremes. We like ready? she also. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say she also kind of goads Cersei into because she tells Cersei, "I think you might be the worst person I've ever met." Or I think, like she she is also pushing in in kind of the same way that Marjorie was um, in the last set or the set before, set before I guess, um, where Marjorie is uh, kind of goading Cersei now that Marjorie thinks she's kind of gotten everything she wants. Um, and Elena kind of does the same thing, and and both times Cersei ends up uh, doing some backlash against them. Uh, that that yeah. you know, Cersei discovered the power of backlash. Yes. So uh, <laughs> we ready for grades? Yeah. Sure. All right. I'm gonna give it an A. Interesting. Um, pretty darn good. I think most of my problems come in with the first half. So the the second half was was pretty. You know. A plus stuff. Um, so, yeah, probably. I think it's tied for second place for for me for for in terms of season rankings. Um, but yeah, A. Hey. <laughs> Excuse me, Tyler. What you doing? I'm doing A plus. Um, I, th- I I think at this point. In terms of the first six seasons, I think it might be my favorite. Um, I, it's it's good, <laughs> like, and I especially it's very nice to have watched this out of the sphere of influence of the internet. Um, because even if I disagree with a lot of the stuff that I was like seeing people complain about when these episodes were actually coming out, and I was watching them, uh, it was still something where I was like, "Well, I want to like see how people think, and they don't like it, and that annoys me." And now I'm thinking about the complaints instead of thinking about whether or not I like what I actually watch. Um, and especially, right. I think that applies to like I remember people just tearing into episode eight, like Alex said, for the Arya thing about her getting back up, um, which. Yeah, we didn't mention, but I think that's a really good payoff of her slicing the candle out, and it's yes. like, ah, she was blind when she oh, was fighting certainly. the waif, and now she gets to fight the waif blind, and the waif doesn't know what's going on. Um, mm. So I think that's a really good payoff. Um, 
And people were also very confused about the end of that, where she takes the waif, the waif's face, I guess, back to uh, the the hall of faces in the house of black and white, and she's like, "I, you know, I killed her." And then uh, Jockin is like, "Ah, so you've become no one." And she's like, "Nah, I'm Arya. I'm going home." And he's like, yeah. "Okay, fair enough." Like that really, <laughs> really confused people, when I, which I feel like it's very much reading too much into it in terms of like what it's supposed to mean. I think it's pretty straightforward of like, okay, he's like, yeah, you became a pretty good killer. And then she's like, well, actually, I don't want to be a killer. And he's like, sounds good. That makes sense. I think, you know, be, be Godspeed. <laughs> Have fun. Um, I don't know. I remember there's there are a lot of little details like that. And then people, a lot of you know, book purist, I guess, did not like Liana Mormont because she was taking place of this Northern conspiracy thing. Um, I yeah. disagree entirely. She, I, 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 every time I've watched this, I think there's three moments in episode 10 that I tear up at, um, which are mm-hmm. the, um, da- Daenerys giving Tyrion the hand badge, sure. which we mentioned. Sure. I think that's beautiful. Um, and then Liana yeah. saying, you know, giving the speech basically for John. And then also her, uh, when when everyone starts to get into the chant, they're like, King of the North, King of the North. She like looks around and like smiles and nods. And then she starts saying it. It's, I, it's beautiful. It's really sweet. Yeah. Um, I and it, I think it really speaks to the heart of the show in a way that it wouldn't have if they'd done the other thing for the books. I think this really distills that feeling of like the, these people just overcame like completely impossible odds and they have so much farther to go. Yeah. Life sucks. Everything's hard, but you know, in this moment they're standing up for themselves. I don't know. I, it's yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to go flat a, but uh, if there was something between a and a plus, I would do that. True. Is it an, a and instead of a, a, just like the the horizontal minus the horizontal. Sign, it's just like a vertical dash or the vertical sorry yeah. yes exactly yeah <laughs> yeah yep 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 yep, yep. <laughs> uh alex i know you've been having a lot of time lately you got any good recommendations for us oh geez uh <laughs> there's a show on on hbo max uh that that's cat dog cecilia and i watched the pilot of that was good it's that new show with Jude Law. What's it called? Oh, the third yes, day. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, the the first episode. The it's very. It's a very yeah. surreal type of a show, kind of kind of dreamlike. Um, it's a lot of crazy stuff that just kind of happens very quickly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in continuing it. So, I've been curious about that. It's yeah. good to hear. And Jude Law is is good as always. So. No, Catherine Waterston is in that. Yeah, she way. shows up towards the latter end of the episode, so I haven't seen that much of her, okay. but cool, cool, she's cool. good. Nice. Tyler? Um, I don't know if I really have any recommendations. I have, and I will uh, provide updates on this next week. I, I have just earlier today received uh, a book from a journalist who actually was like very connected and, and in with the production of Game of Thrones the entire way through. Um, I don't have it with me. I don't know what the name is. Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon, I think it's what it's called. But I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. I believe so. Um, and uh, so far, it's pretty cool. Um, 
I haven't gotten into any like juicy stuff yet. I've only read like the first 50 pages or so, and it's still talking about like how they cast everyone, which there are a lot of fun anecdotes about. But um, I will. Uh, the, this will be good research for this. I will try and give some updates. Hopefully, there's some good stuff about the last couple of seasons um, that we can get into as well. Give a bit more insight. Um, so I'm enjoying that. I don't really have anything else. I think I never. I didn't really watch much in the way of movies this week. Sure. Yeah, that sounds really interesting, though. That, I, I'm interested to hear what else you unearth. Um, I am going to recommend the new or the most recent, uh, The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is now streaming on HBO Max, so I picked that up the other day or watched that the other day. It's written and directed by Lee Wannell, or Wannell, who I did not realize but made Upgrade, yep. which I know, Alex, you mm-hmm. watched recently and quite enjoyed. Um, it's great. It's super well done. Stars Elizabeth Moss, the great Aldous Hodge, uh, Storm Reed. And then a bunch of other just people who are in the movie. Um, and it, it does such a good job of genuinely updating H.G. Wells' idea to where this time it's not about the man's invisibility is not uh, a metaphor for isolation or loneliness, but rather is a metaphor for how people don't ignore or don't see abuse in relationships and how the survivors of those relationships don't feel seen or believed. Um, It is just incredibly well done and so smart. And just from a technical level, I mean, the camera work is amazing. I I don't want to say action sequences, but the, there are confrontations uh, that are, the, the camera does so many great turns and spins and different angles. There's a long for want of a phrase, fight scene in a hallway that is magnificent and so clever. And it's not a movie that repeats itself in its depiction of, or or the way that it tells you he's on, the Invisible Man is on screen. So I spent a lot of the movie watching the Hmm. background to be like, is he in this? How how can I see if he's in this scene? Because they indicated in different ways. It's not just the same, you know, thing every time. Uh, the performances are great. Elizabeth Moss, of course, is awesome. Aldous Hodge is really, really good. Uh, Storm Reid is in it, and she's quite good. Um, but yeah, the music is marvelous. The The effects are this perfect blend of digital and practical, and they seem to really have an understanding of the thing we want to do right here, it would be better if we had a stunt man and we digitally erased him. Cool. And another one, it would really do better if we, you know had a guy with a string on a door and pulled it shut. Like they, they really understood the value of practical onset effects that are fantastic and digital effects, which look great. Um, yeah, I was just a big, big fan of it. Uh, I just highly, highly recommend it. It's about two hours, but it's very efficient storytelling. They just clip right through it. The invisible man. Now, can I, can I ask how well does this fulfill kind of the, the spooky the spooky vibe. It's spooky season. How how does that how does it work in that regard? I would say it is more tense than scary. Some of it is is kind of scary. Um, my big concern was that there were going to be really difficult sequences depicting the abusive relationship, and there aren't. Cool. So that immediately put me at ease. That's a very different type of tension. Yeah, I would say it's kind of scary, mostly tense, because you literally never know when he's going to 
when some when he's going to do something. You literally never know if he's there or not. Um, yes, I have okay. a question. So it kind of so does, there's yeah. an after credit scene where Tom Cruise in mummy wrappings goes and, and <laughs> recruits, you know, the, the Invisible Man to join the team. Right? Like that's a thing. Does does yeah, Tom he, Cruise become the mummy? He, at the he end? unspools. <laughs> He unspools some of his bandages and goes, I think you'd look pretty good in these. And then it just says, the Invisible Man will return in. Now, Alex, you no, the, the... you nodded when I asked if Tom Cruise becomes the mummy. I'm still not sure if you're serious or not. No, he does. Okay. He becomes a mummy of sorts. He Basically, I, I think the end of the movie is like he dies and gets brought back to life. And so the end is, is him and... Um, uh, Guy from A New Girl and uh, Jurassic World. Oh. Yeah, Jake, Jake Johnson. Johnson. The uh, two of them are just, like, chilling in the desert, and they're like, we're going on more adventures together. Oh, my God. And for some reason, Tom Cruise just has, like, mummy wrappings on his hands. And it's like, oh, I guess he's the <laughs> It is just the dumbest thing. No, it's just the style, you know? He saw a creepy lady. Man, I can't wait till we watch that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um... Uh, I, I can't assuage your concerns. This movie, I think it was eventually conceived as being under the yeah, Dark Universe yeah. tentpole. It is not. To, to, from what I saw, it is not attempting to do that. It very much became, which is, it's so rare that this happens. It usually goes the other way. They, I think they went, this Dark Universe thing isn't happening. Just make a standalone prestige well, horror Even movie. more so than that, like, let's stop making $150 million action blockbusters yeah. out of horror characters let's make small micro budget yeah. horror films yeah there's there's some there's some good scares but i i was also just so thrilled by the literal yeah. filmmaking of it the camera the music i just found the editing i, I yeah i really enjoyed it um yeah the invisible man no mummies here or mini mummies Or maybe they are, and they're invisible. You can't see him, but you can see the invisible. Tyler, how can people find us? <laughs> you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on SoundCloud. You just got to search us up. Uh, we're everywhere. We are invisible, and we are in your home. <laughs> Through the airwaves. He's not wrong. And it looks like I'm finally... Uh, Netflix's chatbot has finally uh, responded to me about my bid to get Glow picked back up. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go deal with that. I've been Britain. I've been Alex. I I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> I've been Tyler. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to think of a good joke to end this podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>